Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning we're going to continue on in our Thanksgiving series uh, as we look over into Mark chapter 10, verse 35 together. And uh, we realize that uh, being generous is more than just giving money, but it includes getting our hands dirty, just kind of like Jesus did. And uh, Jesus served people at many different levels. He fed the multitudes when his disciples told him, hey, we don't have anything. Why don't you send these guys down the road and let them go find something to eat? But Jesus said, nope, we're going to do it. And uh, then he healed people who were cast out of society like lepers who uh, maybe weren't, people weren't willing to even put their hands on them. Jesus would do that and he saw their lives changed. He listened to those who had suffered loss like Mary and Martha. Jesus interacted with people in their lives and he cared for them and loved them. And uh, it, it was hard because he gave of himself. And that was what was hard for the disciples to really understand how Jesus gave of himself. And maybe for us, it's difficult to grasp even today what it was like for him. Sometimes uh, we need some help with our spiritual comprehension. It's kind of like this. It could be that when we're, we're hearing or reading something, uh, it, uh, it's difficult for us to understand, understand. So it reminds me of the original title of Noah Webster's uh, first spelling book. Now, I'm going to try to tell you this spelling, uh, the title of this spelling uh, book, so if you'll bear with me. It's a little long, by the way. Here it goes. A grammatical institute of the English language comprising an easy, concise, and systematic method of education designed for use of English schools in America, Part 1, containing a new and accurate standard of pronunciation. Now, after hearing all of that, you say, what? That's what most people would say if they read a title like that. (laughs) So, uh, Jesus' disciples like you listening to that title sometimes have had a difficult time understanding the breadth of Jesus being the Messiah that he was. And they also had a hard time of understanding the reality that they too, as followers of Jesus, were to be servants. So Jesus' disciples had a challenging time with that. I would say many of us today have a challenging time as well. So our passage here in, in Mark chapter 10 contains a discussion about true greatness, and it follows the prediction of Jesus' passion of the cross. Uh, It's a sad way, uh, in a sad way, it shows us how spiritually dense the disciples really were at this point in time. The church didn't uh, really create a story that cast disrepute on the character of the best-known characters in this passage, James and John. But James and John really did it for themselves. Uh, likely, they ha- we have done the same thing at times. But humility and thanksgiving didn't seem to be their virtues. They struggled a little bit. We can see that as we jump into the story in just a minute. 
to give us a, an idea of what Thanksgiving is about in other cultures, uh, we see the Maasai people in Africa, they have an unusual way of saying thank you. Uh, translators say that when the Maasai express thanks, they bow, they bow, put their foreheads on the ground and say, my head is in the dirt. Uh, when members of another uh, people group want to express gratitude, they sit for a long time in front of the house of the person who did a good deed for them. And then they say, I sit on the ground before you. Now, these people understand what it is to be able to give thanksgiving. And sometimes it's difficult for us because at the core of thanksgiving is an act of humility. For us as uh, believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, uh, it should be our nature to give thanks to God. But we understand that service is an act of humility and not usually on the ten, top ten of our bucket list. I don't know if you have that in your bucket list or not, but maybe you, maybe you say, hey, I want to serve here or serve there. Uh, but most of us don't have that in our bucket list. We want to say, I want to do this or do that. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Let's look at it together. It should be on the screen for you. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want, want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory, in your glory. These two brothers had it all figured out. They, they knew what they wanted. They wanted the highest position in the coming kingdom of the Messiah. And uh, James and John appear to be all about power and prestige because, hey, they, they, wanted to, they were wanting to sit at Jesus' right and left hand, and, and, but they really didn't quite understand. See, serving didn't seem to be on their mind. That's not what they were concerned about. So I have four thoughts for you this morning. The first one is, you know what you want. Well, at least James and John knew what they wanted. And they were typical A type, uh, type A leaders. It appears they had built a strong enough relationship with the Lord Jesus that they could interact with Him and ask for Him pretty much anything they wanted. And it seems that they must have read some of Stephen Covey's book called uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But they missed out on reading uh, the top ten mistakes leaders make. They wanted, they wanted those positions of high honor in the messianic kingdom. They were looking for something that maybe Jesus wasn't saying, hey, this is what you should have. Their, their request reveals clearly that before the crucifixion, Jesus' disciples knew that he was the Messiah. They had a good handle on that. And since they knew that he was going up to Jerusalem, they expected that likely his kingdom would be established at that point. And it seems that in their minds that it was time for them to make their desire for leadership known to Jesus. So they already had their foot in the door. We know they were part of the 12 disciples. And besides, what does serving have to do with anything anyway, right? Well, we'll see here. Jesus, as usual, he lets the disciples, he lets them speak their mind. He lets them display their own spiritual uh, ability or depth, and also their spiritual shallowness by disclosing their motives. It's by our motives, friends, that we're judged. It's not so much just by our actions. We realize that there, it's our motives that goes before the Lord. 
It wasn't a desire to be near Jesus at that moment of triumph which moved them, uh, but it seems to be here it was their ambition, not their loyalty that wanted them to move forward in that place. We know that James and John were of the top three of the disciples of the twelve. We know they were the inner circle, so to speak, that they were most clo- they were. Uh, most closely related to Jesus, and Peter, James, and John were those three. This passage really here holds up the mirror to human vanity because it shows that proper and holy zeal is often accompanied by ambition. Those who aren't satisfied with Christ alone but are seeking other things apart from Him and His promises tend to end up wandering away from the path that God has set for them. And we see that James and John, though they knew what they wanted, they started running down the wrong path. They waited until uh, they didn't wait forever. They did correct it at some point. We know they followed the Lord for the long term. But we also see others like Judas who ran down the wrong path and until it destroyed him. The Lord had the path of service set aside for each of His disciples, and He has a path for each and every one of us as we follow Jesus as well. The Lord had that path, but we know that vanity and ambition can get in the way of of fulfilling God's plans for our life and missing out on some of life's simple joys. Simple joys are important for us. If we're going to live this life, we have to find some joy in those small things. Uh, there was a uh, there was a business mogul who was uh, went to a, a lake, an area where people were fishing, and he saw a professional fisherman there. And the fisherman was just uh, sitting down lazily by his boat, just kind of hanging out, relaxing at this point in time. And, and uh, so the mogul looked at him, and he, and he's like, uh, "Why aren't you out there fishing?" And he says, "Well, because I've caught all the fish that I need to catch for the day." And uh, the business said, businessman said, why don't you catch more fish than you need? Then you can have more than you need. And so the guy said, what would I do with them? He said, well, uh, you, could, uh, you could earn more money, buy a better boat, maybe end up with a nice fleet of boats, you know, buy uh, nylon nets, catch more fish, just keep pouring it on and building your business. And, and, uh, and so he's like, well... Then what would I do? He said, well, you could sit down, enjoy, sit down and enjoy life. He said, what do you think I am doing? Uh-huh. So sometimes vanity and ambition can also get in the way of fulfilling Christ's will for our lives if we let it. So it can keep us from the attitude of thanksgiving in our hearts. And for us, not just at this time of year when we're in the thanksgiving season, but really every time of year we should be able to step back and give thanks to God and enjoy those small things of life. Now let's move on and look to see what uh, Jesus' uh, uh, response is to these guys, these disciples. Look at verse 38 with me on the screen. It says, you don't know what you're asked. You are asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. 
but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Point two, you think you know what you want. So now these guys have come from, they thought they knew what they wanted. Now, really, in some sense, they think they know what they want. James and uh, John thought they knew what was best, what they wanted, but Jesus was rather sharp with these two guys. He tells them, uh, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're talking about. And the way to privilege position in the kingdom of God is not by grabbing for power, uh, or by, it's, but it's by surrendering ourselves through challenges in this life and giving ourselves to the Lord. There's some irony in this request here that these guys make to Jesus and that those actually on the right and left of Jesus at the great moment of His triumph were to be two crucified terrorists, two thieves, making plain what in cold reality it meant to share in His cup and His baptism. So both baptism and the cup of the Lord's Supper forcefully reminds us by its symbolism of the cost of following Christ. And the servant will be like his master in suffering too. Now Jesus responds to them with a question. Now Jesus, he was, he was, uh, he was quick. and He said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Say that three times. And they were sure of it in their eagerness for the position that they were looking for. And it was like they were blind to the reality of what Jesus would face. And if they were going to share with Him, it may not have really been what they thought it should be. People want change, but they don't always like change when they get it. It's like... It's like people think they know what they want, but really they don't know what they want. Have you ever wanted a pet as a kid? I remember wanting pets. You know, of course, growing up on the farm, we had cats and dogs. Those were given. We expected we had to have those kind of things, but wanted a pet. And so I remember being real small and my brother and sister, they were both older than me. They wanted some pets. And so they, they got, uh, they got some gerbils. And they got some white mice. I don't have gerbils and white mice. Well, that's what they chose. I don't have any idea why. Uh, but anyway, we had those and we played with them. They're kind of fun. You know, you can stick them in the round little ball. And when you're boys, you t- like to play baseball or something or bowling. Don't do that. I, do- I don't say, don't do that. It's not nice. And so, but it's kind of fun. And so, uh, anyway, we had the gerbils and we had the mice. And the problem with that is kids, we thought it was all cool and wonderful uh, until the reality sunk in. You know, two gerbils equal about 10 gerbils. And two mice equal about 10, 10 mice. And so you get all these, I know they're in, but then you got to keep the cage clean and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's just a challenge to have those things. Does anybody have gerbils? No, don't raise your hand. Uh, probably not after this, but but Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know. First of all, we, we realized that after we had all of those little little animals there, that we had to do something, and so anyway, okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Jesus attempted to help James and John get past their ambitions and move back to the reality of humility. 
It just comes down to they, they, re, they understood, they had to understand what the truth was, what reality was. They were so focused on position that they were missing out on the virtue of service. So Jesus asked these disciples the big question, can you drink the cup I drink? They responded with the confident, we can. Sure, Jesus, we can do that. How naive they were. James and John failed to understand what was involved in Jesus' sufferings, yet they would later participate in them. Okay, so they didn't get it yet. They didn't get it quite yet. So look at verse 40 here with me. It says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus refused to usurp the authority of His Father in heaven. The Father alone will, will grant the places at Jesus' right and left to those for whom He has prepared it. There was no way Jesus was going to say, sure, you can have that position. He just wasn't going to do it. He knew His place at that point. And besides, they didn't understand it anyway. It was all about service. They didn't realize that. It was all about service. Let's move over to the last four verses, anyhow, uh, where we see things heat up just a little bit more. In verse 41, he says this, when the, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. James called them together, and, or Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So point three, many are jealous of others because they think they know what they want. Have you ever been jealous of somebody else because you think, oh, well, that person, they know what they want. Well, they think they know what they want, right? The remaining ten disciples' shallowness showed through their annoyance. They're a little, they're miffed, they're annoyed, they're mad, they're angry, something or other there. They just did not like it that uh, James and John comes before Jesus. We know that uh, not long before this, in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus had rebuked the disciples for their ambition and their jealousy and it was still very much alive in them. So we see that Mark here records that the other, gospel, the other disciples that didn't uh, ask were indignant. They were mad about it. It could have been that they were upset because they didn't ask first. I kind of wondered. They may have, you know, oh man, I should have asked Jesus before these clowns got to it. It could have been that they were upset about that, or it could have been that they were frustrated because they looked kind of dull to the others. But none of these disciples really understood what Jesus meant when He spoke of His passion. So Jesus had to give them another lesson on what greatness really is. And he, said, he said here, Gentile rulers lorded over them. That's over their subjects. But this is not the way it... It is among true followers of Jesus. It's not the way it is for the people in the kingdom of God. And so he's trying to help them get the right perspective here. 
So we find, find them that great, uh, we find then that the greatest greatness is not achieved by asserting rank, but it's by humble service. Here is the paradox of the kingdom of God. Instead of being lords, the great ones become servants, and the chiefs become bondservants of all. So we really have to go back to the big, a big idea in the beginning that being generous is more than about giving money. It includes setting our, getting our hands dirty in, in service to others just like Jesus did. The kingdom of God really is where service is king and the king serves. Jesus did it. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal, and Winston Churchill called together labor leaders and, and enlisted their support. At the end of his presentation, he uh, is talking to them, and, and he, uh, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade that would be held uh, after the war. And he said, first, first he said, some would come, from, uh, come, would come the sailors who kept the vital sea lanes open. And then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone to, to defeat Rommel in Africa. And then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe, which is their air force, from the sky. And last would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miner's caps. And somebody would say to them, And where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And 10,000 throats would come to the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the cold. I've been down in those mines in Wales, and if you go to that coal face there, you're 300 foot down uh, in the earth, and when you get to the coal face, that coal face is about this tall. So tall people like me wouldn't fit there very well unless you're laying down. It's a lot of work. It's those guys that were serving. And when they would go in, they would be covered in coal dust. And when they would come out, they would be covered, their lungs filled. But those people served. And we find that service in the kingdom isn't always on the front line where we can be seen. It's even in the dark places where no one can see and where you were there and you may have given to others and no one knew. But when you serve, your impact can't be rivaled by anything else. Look at the final verse here with me this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And he says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. So the last point is here is the King has served, so can you. If Jesus was able to serve and made it a point to be able to serve, even to the point of giving his life, we too can serve him and serve others. In the kingdom of God, humble service is the rule. Even the Son of Man is not exempt from it. He is, in fact, par excellence of the example of it, especially in his mission of redemption. Now, we get to take part in his redemption. Yes, we're receivers. We receive from him. But also, we are all ministers of reconciliation in the fact that we serve others and we are able to share the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. We're able to share that to them on, on Thanksgiving Day when we see family or friends or others that we may meet. Maybe you're going to serve in some place and you have the opportunity to share that hope and the reason why you believe 
But the Son of Man, we realize here it's used in this passage, is that veiled messianic title that Jesus often used of Himself. He did not come to be served, but to serve describes Jesus' life. The word translated ransom in the original also means the price of release. Uh, in Koine Greek, which is, which is kind of the everyday vernacular, it's often used of money paid for the release of slaves. In the New Testament, however, it no longer relates to a purchase price paid to somebody, but simply means redemption or release. This word's a reminder of Isaiah chapter 53, which tells us this. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his soul. It includes giving of ourselves in service to others. Some years ago, uh, I was speaking to a group of leaders and pastors in Kampala, Uganda. Uh, we were on uh, the uh, grounds of McCary University there. And I'd been praying about the Lord, what the Lord wanted me to speak to them and talk to them about leadership and some of the keys to following the Lord and uh, some leadership. One of the things I felt to share out of was uh, John chapter 13, uh, where Jesus washed the feet of His own disciples. And really, it was, a pivotal, it was a pivotal teaching for His disciples, and Jesus humbles Himself uh, to the disciples, uh, becomes a servant, washes their feet, which really was kind of offensive to his disciples because here, him as the rabbi or the leader, he's humbling himself before these other people. And uh, kind of Peter kind of boxed against that. But uh, So I got to share that. I had prompted the leading, uh, the leading associate pastor at, at that church there, uh, to obtain some water, pan, and some towels. And he asked if we should get soap. And as an American who wears socks and shoes all the time, I said, no, I was not thinking. Because for them, they, they uh, go without socks typically. It depends on the, their business or whatever. They like sandals there. And they had dirty feet. I washed the first leader's feet. And then each one after me washed the next person's uh, feet. I don't think I've done this since. Uh, but I think that it was a very powerful action that they took part in that day. Uh, it was an illustration of humbling service. And I don't think they'll ever forget it like I have not forgotten it. And after speaking with many of them, uh, I found from some of the leaders that they told me that pride had really crept in and was affecting uh, their service and their ministry that had been, they had been involved in. And little did I realize that the Spirit of God was speaking to them at that point, and it impacted them. I don't know that I will ever do that again. I don't know. But I think we must be open to the Lord. I think what is most important for us is that we're willing to serve, willing to serve others in this world. Giving of ourselves may not only be of our resources. You know, it's so easy, like when we think of the one-day program and what's happening, it's so easy for us to say, hey, I'll throw 50 bucks in, or I'll throw 100 bucks in, or I'll th throw 10 bucks in, and then it eases our conscience but it's got to be more than that in our walk of faith. As we walk with the Lord Jesus, we realize that each and every one of us has a purpose and God has a plan for us 
and service may include that, and I don't belittle that. As we give to the Lord, we give to Him, and we give to serve people. But we also know that it's more than that. We know that as we give to the Lord, it may be from ourselves. It may be taking, taking part in the one day. It may be actually serving at the rescue mission. Maybe you want to serve at the rescue mission during Thanksgiving or some other point. It may be that you're reaching out to the homebound, those that struggle that can't make it out to services. It could be that you're reaching out to a neighbor and uh, reach out your hand to help them and assist them in a way that maybe people haven't been willing. Just a few things for you to think about this morning as we uh, go to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. Week This Thanksgiving, you may find somebody without family or friends to, uh, to celebrate together. They may, uh, they may be new to town or church. What's another place at the table? It may be you'll have an extra plate for your neighbor. Jesus' disciples didn't learn real fast, and sometimes it's the same for us. At first, they thought, they thought life with Jesus was all about having a position in the kingdom of God. And finally, they realized that life with Jesus was all about serving as Jesus did. He gave himself for others. He took the chance to reach out at times when others turned the other direction. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like to challenge you for this Thanksgiving. Don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to be grateful for all the things that you have. And you say, yeah, but I don't have much. If you're breathing air, we can, you have a reason to be thankful. We realize that this world that we live in is a challenging world, but we know we have a risen Savior and who has provided us life and breath. Just like one of the songs we sang this morning, there's breath in us. There's breath in our lungs, and it's not ours. It's not, we don't own it. It comes from God. May your thanksgiving be filled with joy as you serve others with the love of Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we can learn to serve. Serve in a way that brings glory to your name and serve in a way that can touch the lives of others around us. Father, whether we're wealthy, whether we're poor, whether we're in between, help us all to learn how to be true servants of you, the Master. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.